This is CliffCentral.com. Grant, I need to make a critical business decision. We've been expanding rapidly, and my gut feel tells me that we should be investing for growth. But I need to put some financial science behind that gut feel of mine. Don't you have a financial manager or director that can help you with that? But isn't that rather expensive? It doesn't have to be. Why don't you contact the finance team? They're a consultancy that can provide you with a part-time financial manager or director at a fraction of the cost of a full-time resource. Go to thefinanceteam.co.za. Welcome to our Business Masterclass. I'm Richard Angus, CEO of the Finance Team, your part-time financial executive solution. Joining me in studio as part of our panel is Safia Boulay of New Habits, Making Shift Happen. How's it, Richard? Nice to have you with us as always. Last week, we spoke to Kevin Govender on the whole question of the shift from ownership to access in the South African economy. The whole issue of the shared economy, a really, really great podcast. Download that from our website if you haven't had a chance to. Today's theme, uh, one that I felt a personal passion for, is the whole question of managing salespeople for performance. Joining us in studio is Andrew Butters of Pretty Much People. Andrew, welcome. Thank you very much, Richard. No stranger to the studio. Thanks for joining us again. Thank you. Good to be here. So, Andrew, I mean, one of the things that that kind of sits with me constantly is this whole question of how do you get your sales team to perform at the top of their game and i mean often we you know we we think that sales just performs and it's automatic but actually it's not um a little bit of research i did kind of showed me just how many people are grappling with this challenge um i think many smaller businesses are grappling with the challenge under you know economic pressure it's it's a tough environment for for people out there um so i mean I, I guess let's talk about you know some tips for people in terms of how they manage their sales environment uh, from a people performance management perspective and a cultural space, a leadership space, etc. Um, I mean, one of the things that I that I always say is, well, quite frankly, we don't care what a salesperson does as long as they produce the results. So mm-hmm. if they decide to get out of bed at nine in the morning and they decide to go home at 2 o'clock, really it's not an issue as long as they produce the sales results. Is, is that a valid position to take? I mean, as an HR practitioner, that must really scare you that people can come to work at 9 and go home at 2. I mean, is it about the results or is it activity-driven? I mean, what's your views? Yeah, I think that's a key thing, Richard. I think you want to have and uh, you want to make sure that you've got a balance uh, between the activity metrics and your uh, your 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 results. I think if it's uh, if I'm entirely honest, I think many organisations today have, uh, and uh, this applies to small business as well. Uh, many of them have tended to focus only on the typical measures of revenue, of uh, gross profit and all of those sorts of things. But I think there needs to be a balance uh, between your activity metrics. Those would be typically your um, perhaps uh, the number of calls you make in. The, uh, the number of visits that you make, and that's an activity based. Whereas the, uh, the, the result and the outcome, um, is effectively your gross profit, uh, or whatever else you, uh, you're using, um, as your measure, uh, from, from a perspective of, uh, revenue and, uh, so on. So I think it's got to be a balance of both, but I just wanted to make the point in terms of your question of how to manage. I think it all starts at the end of the day with, Knowing exactly what the uh, the direction is, what is the end goal that you're working towards, so that presumes 
from a perspective of your you know, your metrics and your performance contracts and all of those sorts of things that they uh, they they're incredibly useful tools and sometimes we take them for granted in uh, in corporates and big large organizations but uh, from a small business perspective we've got to create those things and you've got to create the alignment of that behavior uh, from a sales perspective to the to the overall organizational objectives of what is needed so to me that's a critical thing in terms of being able to spell out and define from a sales perspective what is it that you that you're seeking to uh, to to achieve from a performance perspective and then it's mm-hmm. that balance as you correctly say between activity metrics and also your uh, your performance metrics as well mm. now i mean I, I guess the the question is also one of managing expectations i mean you know what is the target and is 90% below target a, a good number or you know, I mean, you, you have these environments where people constantly exceed target, and then you have your question of, well, is the target too low? Sometimes you have environments where people never reach targets, and then you kind of go, well, you know, is is the target a pipe dream? I mean, how do you how do you manage expectations around, let's call it this lovely target thing, because that's for me a real a real issue is wh- where's the target? To, uh, I mean, I always use the saying, I say, you know, you aim for the stars, you hit the ceiling, you aim for the ceiling, you fall off the couch. Um, <laughs> no, it's, it's tight. But, but if the target's too low, everybody has an easy run. If the target's too high, well, then no one, no one gets there anyway, so why bother even trying to get out of bed? You know, why even bother? So, so knowing where that expectation level needs to be, how, how does one make sure that you get that right level? What's, what's a good feel for that? Yeah, that's a that's a really awkward question to to well, respond. Well, that's why I'm asking you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's an awkward one because from a perspective of I know that uh, in many organisations, if you look at the way that sales uh, commission and incentive plans are developed, um, they developed at a point at which they really drive the incorrect behaviour. So what I mean by that is uh, you've got uh, perhaps a a results based uh, and it's purely results based measure like gross profit and uh, what happens is you have sales folk that go in and uh, they 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 only want to achieve the deal and they want to achieve the uh, the uh, the closure on the sale so what happens is uh, they ultimately discount it beyond where the the organization can uh, can go to so from a perspective of that that uh, that exact i don't think there's a silver bullet on it exactly mm. uh, where that uh, that measure is but uh, i do think that uh, clearly whatever it is needs to take some cognizance of where is the organization in terms of um, profitability and uh, take into consideration a point and a threshold below which one would say, look, if sales are at a particular level and the organization hasn't achieved 80% of its target, as an example, in terms of its budgeted performance, then certainly it makes no sense to pay out any uh, incentives. Mm-hmm. So I think from my perspective, it's not so much the uh, the issue around where that target is, but in as much as it is how you have to uh, consider at which point in time from a threshold perspective, organizational feasibility and financial performance, um, mm-hmm. you're going to, to set that target. So I'm, I'm almost hearing an ad, um, you know, when the um, financial companies have the investments, they say past performance does not determine future performance <laughs> kind of stuff. 
Um, uh. For me, the challenge is, and especially for our listenership, which is typically the smaller business kind of space. You know, when a when the business owner is busy selling, it's very different to when an employee is selling. Mm. How do you make the tradition because the the transition? Because as the business owner, my past performance probably is a high indicator that the sale can be done. Otherwise, the business wouldn't have grown and I couldn't bring on new staff. What, how much reliance is past performance then um, placed on when you are now bringing a team into place to do what you as the business owner used to do before? Sophia, I think that's a, that's a good question from a perspective of uh, uh, taking cognition of uh, what is the role of past performance. It's true. Our past performance is no guarantee of success into the future. However, I think it certainly does inform our strategies, where we set the targets and the goals. And uh, at, uh, I guess, the very worst, what would happen is uh, one would take a, a target and uh, that was achieved in the past over the last fiscal year, perhaps, and one would then say, okay, so we're going to do uh, 20% uh, better than that. Um, it is a goal. Whether it's uh, the, the right approach or the wrong approach, I suppose, is a moot point. Mm. Um, but from me, from my perspective, I would certainly say that uh, the past performance will tell you from a sales perspective, how have you got your business? Where have you got your business from uh, in terms of the, uh, the typical either clients or industries that you've been able to sell to? And uh, I think these are critical measures. If we come back to, to uh, Richard's original question, um, my question to, to small business owners is how much time are you spending in actually analyzing the pipeline? Um, by that, I mean looking at it with your sales folk and saying, all right, let's have a look at uh, the sales cycle. How long is the sales cycle? Um, at which stage of the sales cycle did we uh, did we experience drop off? Mm-hmm. At which point did we did we experience um, you know quick wins? At which point in that sales cycle um, did we did we experience real protracted periods of time? And I think from a perspective of all those kinds of analytics and uh, that kind of uh, measure that interest in the performance of your sales folk, the past is very valuable. But uh, in terms of the absolute numbers, I guess one's got to look at a number of factors because we're operating in an environment both on a macroeconomic level as well as in a micro level for small organizations where things are changing so rapidly that I think you need to have a measure of what happened in the past mm. and look at what's happening in the business currently yeah. and making some sort of analysis for what's going to happen into the future. Okay. But, but I really just want to ask you about the fact that as a business owner, you're typically able to shoot out the stars. Mm. How do you get that same kind of performance out of team members? That's don't, don't, don't you extract the, uh, it from them by recruiting clones that look just like you? Sure. <laughs> Andrew laughs because he knows where I'm going on this one. Yeah, so I, I think the issue is you've you've got to when it comes to the targets and uh, how you've got to extract the best out of the the uh, the employees. From a sales perspective, it goes into how you set your targets. Do you set it on a consultative basis, an engaging basis? It doesn't matter. It doesn't mean you have to set those targets on a democratic basis. Mm-hmm. Um, they, it, it doesn't work. Um, the business owner knows exactly what they need from a sales perspective, so it goes to that. It also goes to 
How do you engage that particular salesperson? Um, again, to uh, to use Richard's analogy of um, whether they're working from nine to two and achieving the number, is that okay with you as an organization? Um, from my perspective, I think you've got to look at all the various things that uh, that motivate that salesperson, bearing in mind that there's no one size fits all. Mm. Each person is an individual. They bring their own likes and dislikes. So one particular salesperson is going to need to be micromanaged. The other one is going to say, listen, just give me space. Mm. Um, I think as an organizational leader, you've got to be able to read your sales folk really well and understand where they come from so that mm. you can reach into their souls and their hearts and engage them in terms of where they're going to go to. And, and it's important to know and understand that not every person is the same. So you, the, the one size fits all solution, you know, here's my template, my, let me call it my salesperson template and my management, my sales management template. And you must be in this nice little box and it looks like this. And there we go. We're done. That's always a, a, a challenge in that space, I would imagine. Indeed. Absolutely. There's no question about that. I think we have to, um, the world of work, uh, generally, and this is not particularly as, or especially a sales thing, uh, but the world of work is becoming, um, much more suit, uh, much more customized in, mm. in uh, and you've got to customize it to a range of employees. So definitely the one size fits all, whether it's an incentive plan, whether it's the way that's folk are managed from a sales perspective, you've got to, as the organizational leader manager, if you will, you've got to mold your approach to, to each and every one of those particular people for whom you're accountable from a sales perspective. Now, what about the problem? Uh, well, I wouldn't say the problem, the, the opportunity of around, what you are and what you need in terms of, let me call it the builders versus the growers. So the, or sometimes we call it the hunters versus the gatherers, depending on if you're a Tim Blumen fan or not. But, you know, th- there's definitely the, the hunter salesperson. And then there's the, hunt, uh, the, the gatherer salesperson who maintains relationships and is great at building, you know, connection, etc. And different times, in an organization, different requirements, also different types of industry. So, you know, industries that are very um, hunter, hunter focused. I mean, I think back to my days in banking, you know, the merchant bankers were the hunters, the corporate bankers were the gatherers, you know, and, and you needed both in an organization to service a corporate client base. Um, but I think the way you engage is, is very different with the different types of sales environment for those particular elements. Absolutely. I think the, uh, the, the issue here is that, uh, you correct, uh, that, uh, from, you've got to look at how does your business typically, uh, uh, get its business? What is it? Is it, uh, uh selling a capital type, uh, equipment product, if you will? Um, the, the way that you sell that is far different. That's typically a, a hunter based, uh, environment. Whereas, uh, if you, if you in a different industry, um, selling different products, it's going to be very much, uh, gathering or, uh, you know, your hunter farmer, the situation. Um, you've got to also look at where you are from an organizational perspective. Are you looking at, uh, trying to maintain key account relationships or are you trying to, uh, to identify sales and go for sales? That's going to have a fundamental picture or a fundamental impact on the picture of who you're going to require from a sales perspective. Mm. So, uh, 
um, it's a complex uh, thing uh, where you've really got to build the balance of of those yeah, things. Sounds like we've got a lot of things that we're balancing as we're trying to get performance out of the sales environment. Now, what about the the issue? And I mean, this will talk to Safia as well. The whole question of being able to coach the salespeople in their in their engagements. Um, I mean, I, I always ask the question: you know, Is coachability a key element of any of of specific roles? And for me, in a sales space, coachability has to be quite high because it's a constant feedback loop in in the nature of the role. You know, it's not an administration person that's cruising along and going, well, you know, you have the occasional intervention. The reality is coaching is a constant need in the sales space to lift the game. How does one assess whether that's that's a, a, a let's call it in play with people or not when you're trying to manage your team? I think the issue again here is uh, when when one looks at uh, the level of feedback and the level of involvement that you have with your uh, your your salespeople. If you're doing regular sit downs with them weekly to say, listen, let's have a look at what those uh, numbers are looking like. Let's have a look at your activity from uh, from last week. Um, you can you there, there's obviously that uh, uh, that opportunity for for coaching, but uh, from a salesperson perspective. Coachability and trainability is uh, is absolutely important. It's a life skill. Um, nobody, we all stand on the uh, the shoulders of giants that have gone before us, and I think it's exactly the same. That uh, from a sales perspective, there needs to be that willingness to be coached, and uh, if you combine. All of the internal systems that you have and the uh, the opportunities to provide feedback on performance and uh, uh, to to offer opportunity to support salesperson f- salespersons from a management perspective, um, and you have uh, combined with that the uh, the uh, the trainability, coachability mindset of your salesperson. Um, then, then it creates an environment in which people are accountable, and there's that willingness to uh, to learn. There's no, there's no mm-hmm. issue, or there's there's no doubting the the importance of uh, coachability, trainability, both from an organisational perspective as well as from a salesperson perspective. So, from a recruitment perspective, you're you're advising that we have to look for people who are open to feedback and flexible and willing to try new things on an ongoing basis. What about you as the business owner? How do you ensure that you remain able to also take feedback and, and, and move with times? Our show last week was about disruption. And, um, you know, disruption is, I can't imagine any sales team being spared from disruption. And the business owner very often is still quite attached to how things were done in a particular way. But how open is the how, how important, where do you place that importance for the business owner and the team to be working together, to be sifting through information and coming up with new things collectively so that they can tackle tomorrow's challenges? Yeah, I think uh, being being an organizational leader from a small business perspective, is uh, it is very lonely uh, mm. because very often you don't have that uh, that right partner to uh, to speak to so i think it's uh, that you've uh, you've really got to recognize um your 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 own 
um, areas of uh, improvement and development and growth. And in that respect, I think there is a, a role to be played by uh, perhaps seeking uh, the assistance of a small business coach or partner that who's uh, who's willing to 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 sit with the organisational leader um, to 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 help them. Um, Obviously, that kind of person will uh, be able to help them to see at a macro level what's happening outside of their own particular organization and provide perhaps that helicopter eagle eye view mm. of perhaps what the organizational leader is not seeing. So I think from that perspective, it is important that the uh, the small business leader know at which point um, they require the, the, uh, the help of somebody like uh, a, a small business coach. Mm. Okay. No. I mean, I, I guess, I mean, you talked earlier of training and, and, you know, constant learning. I mean, the reality is there's constantly new things that you have to, to know from a product perspective if you're selling product service, competitor intelligence, you know, even just things like territory planning, communication style, things like that when, you, when you're in that sales space. But then you contrast this with a salesperson that says, hey, listen. I've been doing this for 20 years. You can't teach me a thing about how to engage with a client. I'm not coming to the training. And and often, let's be honest, the problem is that the training happens at 4 p.m. on a Friday afternoon or at 8 a.m. On, on a Monday morning because people want to see their sales team coming into the office. They want to know that they're around. It's a dead time for other parts of the business uh, world, etc. Mm. I mean, how does one justify... You know, and I think, particularly when you say to the guys, you know, 8 a.m. on a Monday morning, you're going to get lots of very unhappy salespeople when they engage with you, or Friday afternoon, 3 p.m. Um, how do you make sure that you you engage that training and and feedback space in a positive way from a performance perspective? Because I I, I can very quickly see the you know if you're not there, you're going to get performance managed <laughs> conversations starting up in that space. I think you've got to look at uh, again. Uh, if you understand and know the the folk who are uh, who you have employed from a sales perspective, you'll understand them and what works with them and what works for them. Um, I see the opportunity from a training perspective, quite frankly, to use it as an opportunity to engage that uh, that salesperson um, and to create a little bit of an event around it. So, let's say for argument's sake, you've uh, you've got to do some product training. There's a wonderful opportunity. Um, to create a vibe around it um, and uh, obviously to to create it as somewhat of an event whether it's the uh, you know doing it as a uh, sort of luncheon or whether it's a uh, you know combine it with some other team event a team build uh, you know go go karting or uh, uh, bungee jumping or goodness knows what else if you're really adventurous but I see the opportunity to combine that with uh, with something which would be a rather engaging event so that you don't just say, ah, wow, you know, here's another training event. It's a dead, <laughs> dead event. I know it all, you know. Mm. Um, and also I think it, it is in terms of the, 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 the thing that you're trying to train on, whether it's product or a sales process. It's about tying it in and linking it um, to, uh, to in some way. 
um, the output and how that might help the get the salesperson more efficiently and uh, and those sorts of issues. So I see that as an opportunity. It shouldn't just be arranged as simply you know this is a training session. Yeah. Um, you know, the other ways also, just uh, uh, as, a, as an aside, in terms of the delivery of that particular training, um, there are opportunities to d- develop it as webinars or virtu- other forms of virtual training. Yeah, so that's that, another, so, so that's yeah, another that, way to do it. That's, yeah, that's a very good point is that you should be using your technology to enable your sales environment as opposed to come into the office and, and let's bash this one. Absolutely. That's something that could be run by a webinar or whatever the case may be, right in the homes of those sales folk uh, at a time that suits everybody. Yeah. And and I guess the reality is that even if you are, um, you know, you're running that training and you need to, you, you know, it's a case of you can almost put it into modules and people can do it on their own time, own pace, you know, revisit it if they need to. So, you know, you're not stuck with this linear world that we've we've had in the past. Absolutely. So can I ask a question? I mean, so I accept that training must be done, product knowledge must be done, all those kinds of things. But at the end of the day, sales is a head game. Can you really do that kind of training on webinars and that kind of stuff? Is there not a more aggressive and active role to be played um, in terms of getting people to to do the selling and less of the knowing? I'm not sure that that I completely let me let me have a stab of uh, stab at that. Uh, I'm not sure I completely understand the question. Mm. Uh, however. I think there is a role in terms of uh, the, the the aggressive uh, stuff. From a product's perspective, mm-hmm. I certainly think that what you would want to do is there you would want something active, a lot of demonstration yeah. and that sort of thing. Yeah. And you would want your salespersons there to have um, an engagement with the product. So you might, as an example, yeah, knowledge. that's right. So, yeah. so what you would want to do is at a practical level say to them, okay, fine. Part of this particular program is we're going to give you an opportunity to just do a two-minute pitch or a five-minute pitch on this particular product. So I think I think it really depends on um, the webinar is not going to be uh, something that suits every type of training. So you're yeah. completely right about that. Yeah, sometimes yeah. The chickens must be thrown out of the nest and said, go off and sell. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, the… Make it happen. <laughs> exactly. And I think the the issue is that uh, uh, because of how and the pattern and the style of how sales folk work, mm. independence yeah. is a requirement. You know, yeah. you cannot spoon feed at every level. Yeah. And I think if uh, it goes back down to to the question of who you need and uh, what type of salesperson you you need. Okay. Now, I mean, one of the the questions I have is, you know, from a transparency perspective, we talk about a transparent organization and and the need for transparency. I mean, maybe as we close out today, how transparent should you be in your sales environment in terms of everybody knowing what everybody else is doing. I mean, salaries, we keep hush-hush. We, so we think we keep it hush-hush, but we all know that's not the case. I mean, sales performance, should we be keeping it hush-hush and you know nobody knows what anybody else is doing? Or should it be out there on the big board for everybody to see how everybody else is doing? I, I by the way, like the, the latter one there. <laughs> so what should be out there? So do I like the latter. I think <laughs> okay. the issue is that uh, one one wants to communicate how how everybody is doing. You want to be able to um, not because 
Yes, there is an element of competition between the sales folk and uh, what have you. But if I know that uh, you as a salesperson are struggling in a particular area, then uh, uh, and the sales performance will show that, um, I can assist. So from a perspective, if every single salesperson in your team understands and knows at any one point in time where the business is and where each of the salespersons is in terms of their performance, it clearly helps the uh, the organization. Um, it helps that particular salesperson in terms of understanding that if they're the only one performing and nobody else is achieving their targets, there's, mm. a, there's, there's a problem generically and generally in that sales mm. force. So it I al- think it's all important. Yeah, it also helps if everybody else is achieving and then there's the laggard, one or two, they, they know yeah. they've got a problem. And uh, yeah, they often then say, well, maybe I shouldn't be here. Peer yeah. group pressure is powerful. Yeah. Maybe it's just like Andrew said earlier on, it's not democratic. <laughs> <laughs> you have been voted off the island. <laughs> Andrew, thank you very much for spending time with us. Andrew Butters of Pretty Much People. Next up, we get a little bit more practical with our business uh, conversation. Stay with us. This is cliffcentral.com.